And take your Bibles with me and turn to Luke chapter 10 this morning. Luke chapter 10. It is so good to be with you. And uh, I don't say that lightly. I could echo many of the testimonies that have been given this morning of how the college has been an impact on my life. And uh, it starts with, with the faculty, the staff, and this pastor right here, who's been my pastor for pretty much my whole life. And uh, I, I'm so thankful to be here. And uh, it's not just because it's the 30th anniversary of the conference or the 25th anniversary of, of uh, the college, but this is where it all started for me. Uh, it was a vacation Bible school in 99 when I was seven years old. It was right up here on this front row. Uh, third seat in, had just made a lot of friends, had done a lot of the vacation Bible school activities, and uh, for the first time, I, I heard preaching of the gospel uh, that I understood, that, that clicked with me, and uh, it was Pastor Mark Gilmore, and uh, he was up here with the wordless wall and explaining the gold page and how we were created to be with Jesus Christ. We were created to be with God. And that uh, he went on to explain the, the black page of our sin and how our sin separates us from God. That we can't live there because of that. And then he goes on to explain the red page and the blood of Jesus Christ that takes away the sin of the world. I, that, that, that morning, I, just sitting there, these were pews at that time, I remember, uh, understanding the gospel, that light bulb that came on, and understanding that Jesus Christ loved me, that it was not a decision to hang on to my parents' faith or to serve my parents' God, but that it was a personal decision that I needed to make to, to accept what Jesus Christ had done on the cross for me, that I could not save myself. He went on to explain the white page of how Jesus Christ's blood washes us whiter than snow. And that if whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that morning, he gave an invitation. Uh, just He said, stand up from where you are, walk to the back. And uh, if, if you want to know more about from the Bible how you can be saved, walk to the back. Someone will, will tell you how you can know from the Bible. And I remember as a kid being so scared. <laughs> I remember uh, as a seven-year-old, I had just made all these friends and and uh, peer pressure set in, but I knew the Lord was working in my life that morning. And I walked back and uh, talked to Dave Munt, and then he led me to Rick Shruba. I think they're still here. I heard their voices this morning in Sunday school. And that morning, right over there in the, the corner of the lobby, I accepted Jesus Christ. I say it again. I am so thankful for you, Falls Baptist Church how you've invested in my life, my family, uh, have really prayed for me, prayed for the ministry up in Chono. Uh, I, I bring you greetings from them as well. Uh, right now we're in the middle of a, of a three-week renovation process, renovating a daycare into a church building. And uh, the, church is, the church is doing well. People are growing. I wish I could transport each one of you there to let you see the people that are being saved, people that are being encouraged, people that are baptized. We had two people join the church uh, just a couple weeks ago and really looking forward to what God's going to do in the community this coming summer. 
I'm thankful for a pastor's invitation to preach this morning and the impact he's been on my life. There's many times where uh, I've had a question or I've been discouraged, and uh, he called me all the way from Israel once just to encourage me. It was 5, 6 in the morning there, 10 o'clock at night my time, and I am very thankful. You hear the testimonies that were given about the college And uh, you might hear differing uh, opinions about the college here and there, but you can't deny the testimony of a changed life and what God has done through Falls Baptist Church and Baptist College of Ministry. And it really starts if you get to know the heart of this man. And I don't want, I'm not lifting him up. I give God all the glory for it. But the Lord has has used you as a church, and I I don't want to, Pump up your head any, uh, the Lord's going to bust it here in just a couple seconds. <laughs> but uh, the Lord wants us to be ready for the truth that he has for us this coming week. And I do encourage you, if you're able to come and, and just whatever progression of truth the Lord allows you to hear, to be ready to rise. That's the title of the message this morning, Luke chapter 10. You found your place there now. Join me as we begin reading in verse 38. Verse 38 of Luke chapter 10. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen this good part, that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. In this short narrative... This morning, we find one of the foundational truths, I believe, needful truths and a simple truth for rising up in obedience to Christ, rising up, overcoming passivity, activating reality. If you are going to rise up with Christ, and I emphasize with, then you must first be seated with him in submission to his word. Let's pray. Father, I ask you, that you would work in our hearts this morning. Lord, I pray for uh, Lord, the spirit of each individual, Lord, that they would continue to worship you during this time, Lord, that their worship would not stop with the singing that, that has been done, but, Lord, that they would this morning worship you honestly, come before your word and allow you to work in them. Lord, thank you for your word and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you were to walk into Bethany that day, walk into that town, find that small house, modest house, and peer through its window, you would see this biblical scene. You would see one, Martha, busy, trying to prepare a meal. You'd see people doing, trying to do a, a good thing. Find Martha there hustling and bustling in the kitchen, trying to put food on the table. 
in the other part of the house, you find the disciples and Mary all gathered around Jesus listening to his words. Oh, what precious words those must have been. They still are today. Peter, listening, but hungry. I can imagine him overwhelmed with smells coming from the kitchen. Maybe it was fish. I don't know what, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I like to imagine it was fish. John, the beloved disciple, as close as he could get to Jesus, but none closer than Mary, which sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. If you're going to rise up with Christ, then you must first be seated with him in submission to his word. And the first thing that I want to look at this morning is the example of Mary. The example of Mary, ready to rise with Christ, Christ dependence or God dependence. She's an example of it. Look at verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. You find the, the posture of her body there is submission to his word. Submission to his word. Look at verse 39 again. Which also sat at Jesus' feet. She was seated there at the master's feet, taking in with great respect, with great submission, what, he was, what words were coming forth from Christ. And I ask you this morning, what is your posture when you're hearing the words of God? Not just from a pulpit, but in your personal time with the Lord, what is your posture? I'm not talking about kneeling or, or any, anything like that. What is your posture? Is it one of submission to what he has to say? Is it one of submission to his word? Or are we reading maybe our chapter or two and then we're quick to go on to the next thing? The thing that's really important. Or maybe we're not even spending time in his word. Maybe we've already gone on to the next thing. Our posture is not one of submission. It's one of bypassing the Lord altogether and rising up in obedience, but without Christ. We'll get to that in just a moment. But do you you hear and submit to your Savior? Are you ready to obey him? Do you live in the presence of the king, ready to hear his words? I was meditating on the words yesterday morning of of Psalm 91. Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2 say, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. If you go down to verse 9, David is Speaking, he says, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. Is your posture one of submission? Do you linger in the presence of the Lord? Do you live there? Have you made the Lord your habitation, the place where you dwell? The Lord then speaks later in the chapter, throughout the chapter, really. But verse 14, the Lord is speaking, Because he, David, or any of you, hath set his love upon me, 
therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. Do you, are you getting to know him? Is your posture one of submission to his word? We find, secondly, the posture of Mary's heart. If you go back to verse 39 of Luke chapter 10, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. The posture of her heart was thirsty. It was ready, ready to hear his word, ready to rise, ready to do his will. I think of David in the Old Testament. Many times he'd be running from Saul, running from his enemies, and his thirst was for God. His thirst was to be in the presence of God, hearing the word of the Lord, being with the congregation of the righteous. He says in Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? The passivity of believers today is anything but that. We juggle our priorities and God's priorities, and oftentimes that leads to, well, maybe I don't have to be in church today. Maybe I don't need to be with the believers, uh, the, the body of Christ today. And our passivity is leading us farther and farther away from those souls that we need to reach from being an encouragement and loving one another in the body of Christ. David wasn't passive. He wanted to meet with God. He wanted to be with the congregation of the righteous and hear the word of God. I think of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, there he sees the vision of God. He's standing before the the, the Holy One, and he's immediately convicted about what? His sin. And the moment his, his sin is cleansed, what is, what is that thing that he's most concerned about? What's God saying? What's the word of the Lord saying? Well, I want to get to where that is. And verse 8 says, Also I hear the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. What's the posture of your heart before the Lord? In your personal times of worship, in, in a corporate time of worship, did you come this morning wanting desperate to hear the word of God? Or was it just because it's something we do? God's not interested in you playing church. God's interested in a heart that's thirsty after him. God wants you to, to fellowship with him. Did you come today because you were longing for his word? trust you were. I trust you were. God's interested in you being filled with him, his words. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You'll be ready to rise when you're filled with him, when you're submitted to his word. Like the example of Mary. I move secondly to the example of Martha. One who is rising up without Christ in flesh dependence, wanting to do the right thing. I believe both of these ladies are wanting to do what is right, but oftentimes we can rise up and it's this or this instead of 
Lord, I need to be on my knees before you. Lord, I, I, need, I need you. But here Martha is an example of flesh dependence. Verse 40, but Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. That word cumbered, as a young boy, I, I thought that had something to do with what was going on with the menu that she was serving. I had no idea. Uh, it was a disappointment when I found out it wasn't. Uh, she, cum- she was cumbered. She was cumbered. What does that mean? Webster says it means to load, to crowd, to trouble, to be troublesome to, to cause trouble or obstruction in as anything useless. You say, what, what does that mean? It means she was loaded down. She was crowded. Things that were seemingly priorities were crowding out her life, were obstructing her from Jesus, and those were things that were useless. What does that lead to? I believe it leads to three things that are stated right here in the text. Look at verse 40. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, trying to do a good thing, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care? We see a contentious attitude. Wanting to, she's ready to pick a fight. <laughs> she, she's one who is now questioning whether God cares about this situation. I can picture the, the air in the room just being zapped out of it as she says that. The disciples saying, did she just say what I think she said? The disciples had said the very same thing before. Luke chapter 8 gives us that account, and I'm not going to go there. I'm going to read the parallel passage of Mark chapter 4 in just a moment. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 40. Jesus was telling the disciples, we're on our way across the the sea here, and uh, a storm comes up. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Arising in the flesh leads to faithless living. It leads to one thinking that God does not care when things don't go according to our plans. Instead of submitting to God's plans, submitting ourselves to God's word, 
we become ones with contentious attitudes like Mary. God, don't you care that this is not going right? We can also become ones of critical attitudes, a contentious attitude, but secondly, a critical attitude. She says in verse 40, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? A rising up in the flesh can cause one to be critical of others. Well, we got we to gotta move forward. We got to serve God. We got to do this. Why isn't he serving like me? If they were spiritual, they would be helping us. They would be doing this same thing. Beware of fleshly living that leads to a critical attitude. You shouldn't be worried about what so-and-so is doing. God can take care of them. God can lead them just as he can lead you. What did Jesus tell Peter when Peter in John chapter 21 said, hey, what's John going to do? He said, it doesn't matter. Follow me. And God wants you not to have a critical attitude but to follow Jesus Christ. Verse 40 there at the end, we find not just a contentious attitude, a critical attitude, but also a commanding attitude. Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Do you realize what she's doing in this moment? She's telling God what to do. Instead of, Lord, I, I want to do your bidding, it's bid her therefore. You tell her what to do. Fleshly living, rising up in the flesh. Flesh dependence will lead to a commanding attitude. You say, I'd never do that. God, why aren't you working in that person's life? God, why haven't you? We talk, I talked to you about this last year. Why, didn't, why aren't you doing that yet? God, I've worked so hard. Why aren't you, why aren't you accomplishing what I've, what I've told you is important to me? You know what? We can trust the Lord that if those things are, are important, and trust me, he cares about those things probably more than you do. He cares about those people more than you do. Fleshly living will lead us to a commanding attitude of telling God what to do. And, and Jesus just looks and says, Martha, Martha. He, he's long-suffering with us. Aren't you glad for that? I want to look lastly this morning at the love of Christ. The love of Christ. Verse 41 of Luke chapter 10. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. I want you to see first the loving look of Jesus Christ, the loving look of Christ. He answers and says unto, said unto her, Martha, Martha. I don't think that was an angry look. I don't think it was a look of disgust. I think it was a look of loving grief, one of loving sorrow, one that wanted fellowship with her, to her to see what, what these, these folks, these disciples and Mary are receiving, the word of God. Martha's, 
concerned about putting food on the table. He says, Martha, Martha. And that look of Jesus Christ. Peter would experience that very same look as he betrayed Jesus Christ three times. And across that courtyard or whatever it was, he saw the piercing look of his Savior, and it was a look of love. Jesus Christ loves us, and he longs for true fellowship with us. But he does rebuke us. And that's the second thing I want you to see in this verse, the loving rebuke of Christ. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. That word careful meaning anxious. She's anxious, worrying about what's going on. There's got to be food on the table. I've got to have everything excellent, perfect. Things have got to be running in order. Yes, those things are important, but not more important than being submitted to your Savior, being submitted to his word, what he has for you at the moment. Don't you think Jesus was concerned about the food? Was he not concerned when there were 5,000 to feed? Jesus is concerned about those things, but not more concerned than, than you being submitted to his word. What are those many things in your life that are taking you away from the one needful thing, being submitted to God, being seated, submitted to his word, being ready to rise? What are those many things that you're troubled about? Father, is it the work that you have to accomplish during the week? Mother, is it the one, two, three, four children that you need to take care of? You're learning how to be a, a mother or... What is it? Pastor, is it the church, church calendar, church things that are going on? There's many things that we could put in front of us and could cause us to be anxious and take us away from the word that God wants us to hear this week. Many things. What does that song say? Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Many things. Many things. The Lord dealt with me about this this last week. I was in a coffee shop. I was picking up. Uh, I mentioned we're doing a renovation on the church these uh, last week, this week, coming up. And I was picking up some supplies at Menards. I had stopped at a coffee shop to look over this passage just to allow it to sink into my heart. And uh, I wanted the Lord to speak to me. And I uh, sat down, started drinking some coffee, and I get a call. And uh, that is excellent timing, by the way. That is excellent timing. I don't know how you did that. But I get a call, and it's the, uh, it's the, the team leader. And uh, he says, hey, preacher, uh, we've got those doors that we were going to put stain on. And, and the, the guy started putting stain on it. It looks horrible. He said, I don't know what we're going to do. And I start worrying. I'm like, man, we just spent six, over $600 on, on one of these, and we've got two of them that we're staining. He says, yeah, there's nothing we can really do to reverse this. He said, but you know, it looks to, to looks of things, you know, and I'm trying to figure out things. I'm not a construction person. I'm trying to figure out how we're going to fix this. He said, you're just going to have to come uh, take a look at it at dinner, 
And uh, I, I hang up the phone there, and I'm wondering, what are we going to do? <laughs> and I'm starting to become anxious, and then I sit down, and I, of course, I look at this verse. <laughs> Thou art careful and troubled about many things, and the excuses start to flow. But I was worried about a good thing. But I was concerned about the church's money and, and going to waste. I started to blame other people. Well, if they wouldn't have done that. The team lead is a jokester, and he was, he was telling stories the previous day about calling up pastors and pulling their legs and having them on speakerphone. I, I was worried about, about the, 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 the project and, and whether it was a joke or not, whether it was real or not. It's his fault that I was worrying, right? We can claim our good intentions. I intended to do the right thing. I meant to do the right thing. I was intending uh, to, to serve the Lord. We as believers justify a lot of faithless living. We can justify it as worrying about a good thing, worrying about the cause of Christ, worrying we can start blaming, blaming other people, we can start claiming our good intentions, or we can just look to Christ. We can look to him and accept his loving rebuke. We can look to Christ or we can allow the world to tell us what are our priorities. We can allow the world to tell us what we should be worried about. Over the last 15 years or so, and maybe longer than that, especially my generation and, and generations afterward have become fascinated with augmented realities and alternate realities, the, the version of meta the metaverse, and even now with Apple Vision Pro, now you can put on a set of goggles and walk all around in this all augmented reality with a window over here, a window that stays here, and move them with your fingers. I don't mention that because I'm going to start uh, criticizing tech. I use it as an application uh, of, of comparison. Sadly, today, believers live in augmented realities. There are things that the devil, that this world has put in your life saying this is needful, this is needful. These things are your priorities. This is what you should be worried about. And if we would only take off those lenses and start looking into the lenses of Scripture, if we would start to be seated and submitted to his word, we could see again. <laughs> We could see what is truly needful. Are you burnt out? Are you dry? Are you submitted to his word? We can be worried about a lot of different things, but when the loving rebuke of the Savior comes and says, No, my child, that's not reality. Well, what is reality? Let's look at the text. Look at verse 42. 
But one thing is needful. We find the loving instruction of Christ. The loving instruction of Christ. He never leaves us hanging. He says, but one thing is needful. Jesus' statement, I believe, is pointing back to to really one thing in the text. That's himself and his word. Back to verse 39 about how Mary, which sat also also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. What is that one needful thing? Where Falls Baptist Church will be ready to rise in obedience to the Lord and do his will, the one needful thing is Christ and his word, being submitted to his word. Why? Because his word is where faith is born. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's needful not only for salvation like that passage in Romans 10 is talking about, but also for our sanctification, for our walk with Christ. Colossians 2.6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Christ points Martha to this one needful thing that will bring faith-filled living, his word. His word. And then he gives her an invitation. The loving invitation of Christ Verse 42, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part. You say, I don't see an invitation there. It's there. It's just indirect. We use this with our kids all the time. Uh, my son, my oldest son, sitting there at the table, maybe enjoying something, uh, something special for finishing his potty chart or something like that. I know that's a gross illustration, but it's the only one I got. <laughs> He's sitting there enjoying something special, or maybe he got a special sticker, and what does is, what is the, the, uh, Evan do? He comes up, my second oldest, a sticker, or, or can I have some? Well, he, you see, he made an active choice. He made an, a, you show the second child. He made an active choice, and this is what happened. It's an invitation. You can too. Martha, you can too. Falls Baptist Church, you can too. You can get caught up with, should I say, cumbered with a lot of serving. Let me just tell you, this coming week is going to be a week of serving. I've been on both sides of this. I've had the privilege of that, being in the college, in the church before that, and now as a pastor on the receiving end of it, there is a lot of service that goes into this week. I believe the foundational truth that the Lord wants to lay before you this morning is that you can rise up or you can rise up. You can rise up with Christ. You can be seated, waiting for his word. College student, there's a lot of serving that goes on. Behind the scenes, during college day, the ministering to those prospective students that come in that are looking at the college, are you going to be ministering from an empty well? Or are you seated and submitted to Christ? Lord, what would you have for me? Or what do you want to give me? Lord, I'm desperate for your word. I'm thirsty. Lord, what do you have me to give? I'm telling you, the one who's that is going to come out of this week excited about what God is doing, excited about what God can do in the future, on on target, on mission. The one who is waffling, the one who is saying, well, I hope God speaks to me, is the one that's going to get to the end of this week and you're serving, serving, and burnt out. And wondering, God, why, why, are, 
Why, why are you not speaking to me? Be humble before the Lord. He's giving you an invitation to meet with him. Mary hath chosen that good part. That word part, the, the, the language behind it means portion, meaning she's become a partaker. And he's saying, Martha, she's chosen to be a partaker with me. She's chosen of this portion. And Martha, you can too with the same result. What is that result? Look at the text. Which shall not be taken away from her. I want you to get this, Falls Baptist Church. The result of a faith-filled choice to be submitted to his word, ready to rise in faith with Jesus Christ, to be obedient to his will, the result of that choice is that Christ himself protects the choice. He says, which shall not be taken away from her. Whenever you read a shall not in the Bible, it's a big deal. And Jesus Christ himself is saying, it's not going to be taken away. There's going to be eternal fruit. There's no one that can take this away from you. Any moment that you are in, you are in Christ, you are taking steps of faith, you make a faith decision to be submitted to his word, ready to rise, Jesus Christ himself is there with you, protecting the choice. You too can be a partaker and choose this good part which shall not be taken away from you. Choose to sit before Christ, his word, his priorities, his presence. You won't regret it. I end with this. In the hot and dusty streets of Cairo, Egypt, if you were to walk down a dark alleyway and come through to a plot of ground, there are many tombstones and plants and overgrown grass. It's the graveyard of American missionaries that have given their lives there in Egypt for the cause of the, uh, the sake of the gospel. Among those, you would find the name of William Borden, who lived from 1887 to 1913. He was a Yale graduate, had, a, had much wealth, heir to great wealth, but it chose to reject it all in order to bring the gospel to the Muslims. Refusing to even buy himself a car, he gave hundreds of thousands of dollars away to missions in Egypt, uh, to missions that went around the world. After only four months of zealous ministry there in Egypt, he had contracted spinal meningitis and died at the age of 25. In the back of his Bible, he penned the words, the familiar words, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. And if you were to look a bit closer at that tombstone and start to dust off really the middle portion of it, you would find a paragraph that reads, William Borden, a man in Christ, he arose and forsook all and followed him. Kindly affectioned with brotherly love, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, instant in prayer, communicating to the necessity of saints, in honor preferring others. Apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. Imagine that. What a testimony. Only four months of ministry there in Egypt 
And this man was known for a life that could not be explained any other way except for God. The invitation's open. You can rise up too. You can rise up, but you must first come humbly before your God in order to rise up with Christ in obedience to his will. You must first be seated and submitted to his word. Let's pray.